Enjoy this Wild Soul Gathering production. I'm Dr. Sandra Marie. Pour yourself a really tall glass of spiritual curiosity and join me for the Happy Hour for the Spiritually Curious Podcast. In the spirit of Happy Hour, cheers to some new insights, peace, revitalization, and perhaps an aha moment that may change your life. Welcome to the show. Today in the studio, I have Heather Lee Strom. Heather Lee is the author of Canine Spirit Guide, The Healing Power of Man's Best Friend. I'm excited to have you here, Heather. Thank you so much, Dr. Sandra. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Oh, I think that this is going to be a really lively one. I'm truly fascinated with your work, and I did immerse myself in some of your free meditations on your YouTube channel that I have to say were really powerful. Anyways, they were really powerful for me personally. Great. I'm really eager to delve deeper into your work today. It's definitely unique. I do know that the connection between man and animals is very real for a lot of people. And I think it's even becoming more out there in our society. The bond is actually stronger with their animals than it is with humans in their lives. Right. Right. Yes. And for some reason, dogs are at the top of the list. They have always been known as man's best friend, although we do we do have our cat people out there. I don't want to disrespect <laughs> the cat people. And then I personally have my goats that I love. So everyone's got their own little animals that they're, they're into. <laughs> I believe, and I'm hoping I'm going to get this right, you describe yourself as a galactic canine channeler who works with the intergalactic version of dogs and that dogs aren't unique to the earth or humanity. That makes sense to me. I'm a very galactic-oriented person. Again, why I was very excited to meet you and have this interview. But you also share that the intergalactic version mm -hmm. are more spiritually advanced than the humans. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about all of this? Yeah, it's a big gulp. Absolutely. It's, it's a big leap that um, we haven't really understood before. And this is all new information that's coming through. So don't feel like you're behind the ball. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is, this is just now being revealed. They gave me the title of Galactic Canine Channel because I kept asking, what am I? I didn't feel like a psychic. I didn't feel like a medium because all I channel is them. They are the intergalactic version of our dogs, as you mentioned. And what I mean by this is they are not the actual individual spirit of your dog because your dog has its own soul and it operates independently of the canine spirit guides. The canine spirit guides connect with us through our dogs because you just already mentioned the connection we have with our dogs. Our hearts are completely open, flayed open, vulnerable, absolutely unconditionally loving our dogs. And this is a huge access point into our psyche, into our energetic bodies, our physical bodies. It's a huge acceptance point that we don't offer anyone else on this planet. So these guides have this access to us to help us heal and to help us grow as souls. And that's why they connect with the canine, because of that connection we have with the canine. But yes, they are not from this planet. They are a collection of entities, of animal entities, more than just a canine, of all animal kingdoms that exist intergalactically. On other planets and other dimensions, animals are not the same as they are here. I've seen them and I've met with them. And I do this same work, the same job. I have the same title 
in every other incarnation I've had in every dimension. So that's why they're speaking through me. It, it's, it wasn't an accident. <laughs> this was my chosen path that I came here to be activated to do and to share with humanity at a very specific time because I was only awakened last, well, almost two years now, on 2022 is when I wrote the book. So that's when I was awakened and activated for real, for sure, completely. You know, that's kind of the gist of it. And that's a big gulp to digest because we kind of suspected that our dogs had special abilities and had a special way of interacting with humanity because they just are always there. Well, they have a lot more to offer than we ever realized. And that's what the canine guides are here to share. Wow, that's really interesting. And when when you were speaking it, I thought, wow, they are a perfect medium because there's a safety in doing the work through your dogs, for sure. You had mentioned that this was a full awakening for you in 2022. Mm-hmm. There's a lot happening energetically in the world. People talk about the shift, the new world, the golden age, things are happening. I feel like these energies and spirits and the galactics are opening things up mm-hmm. when they're going to be safer and people are going to be more open to hearing the message. I feel like we are living in a time right now where people are more open to hearing the message, which is, I think, why I was divinely nudged to do this podcast was to bring on a lot of people who are doing different things so folks know that this is available to them. There's a lot of different ways to grow and to heal and expand our spirituality. You work with three special galactic dogs or three different energies. Can you talk about each of them a little more? I know you wrote the book. I do have to share with you. I love the graphics and the colors, and I love the depiction of each of these spirits that you're working with. Thank you. Yeah, there are four in the first book, and they refer to themselves as the core four, and they've given me a very specific definition of what that means, because there's been a lot of question about that. And I struggled to understand what all this means, because this didn't appear before me as a roadmap. I sort of unfolded it all as I went through it. I took one step in front of the other, and each step gave me more enlightenment, more information, more memory. So I didn't start out writing this book knowing all the answers. (laughs) I discovered it as I went through the process. I'm still getting information as I go through the, the journey. But what the core four is, this group, the four entities, they help you to get down to the core, the core meaning, the core emotion or the core experience that needs to be released. And it's seriously very deep, deep work. And if you've been on my podcast, you probably have experienced that deepness of the topics we're covering and the actual healing that we're doing on those podcasts. But this is very serious, deep work, and they help us to unravel and get to the core program's beliefs. They, they actually call them tags. Two of the guides call these, they refer to these, as tags, and that's explained in the book. The core four are unique because each spirit guide has their own level of energy, their own level of healing, the the specific things that they focus on with humanity. So depending on what you need will determine which guide is working with you. So the first guide in the book is Anthea. She helps us to clear a path to our divine joy and our self-love. Now, when I say joy and self-love, this is a level of joy and self-love most humans have never experienced here on this planet. 
because we're so disconnected from what that really, really means and how that really feels because we're enshrouded in ego and in beliefs that are only true here on this planet. So it takes a lot of work sometimes to actually connect to the what that is supposed to feel like. So that's what she does. That's what she comes into our life. And that's what she will be working with you on if she's connecting with you through your dog. And Oscar is the second spirit guide. And he's a masculine entity, very calm and quiet. He reminds me a lot of Aslan in the, the Lion, the Lich, Witch, and the Wardrobe series. You remember that book? Mm-hmm. From long ago, I think the 70s, maybe. He has that kind of very quiet, reserved energy, incredibly powerful. But what he does is he empowers us to claim our voice, to reclaim our voice, especially those of us who've been traumatized and have learned to not use our voice. And then he also reconnects us with our courage and our power. And so if he's in your life, if he's working with you, those are things that need to be explored, need to be healed and reconnected for you. And Oregon is the third canine spirit guide. She's a very feminine entity. They go in order of energy level and frequency. Oregon is a huge jump above and beyond what we see in the first two canine spirit guides. So as you read the book, you're going to be getting this influx of energy. And some people cannot get past the second spirit guide because they're not ready for the amount of energy coming in with the third one because she's massive energy and a lot of people aren't ready for her yet. You will be held back when you're reading the book, experiencing the book. You'll have resistance to it uh, until you are ready to experience her, but she will help you to identify masks that you wear that you use to separate yourself from reality or that you use to to project who you believe you are out into the world or to hide yourself from the world with. So she deals with these masks that need to be removed. And once these masks are removed, she will introduce you to your own divine soul. I know most people, I'd say 99% of humanity have never met their own soul because when she introduced me to my soul, I thought it was God. I thought, how can this be me? It was the most divine, peaceful, loving energy I had ever experienced before, and it was massive. And when you're in that kind of energy, there is nothing that can penetrate it that is not love and joy. You're not capable of feeling insecure or hating or regretting or resenting or any thoughts of violence or vengeance. I mean, none of that is possible when you're in that kind of space. So if we were walking around with connection to that soul peace, this would be a peaceful place to live. That's all that would be possible here. So that's really critical for us as a race to get reconnected to that in order to help heal the planet. Now that's a pretty big jump. But then on the fourth canine spirit guide, we have Eric, and he's even a bigger jump above the energy that we experience with Oregon and Eric, his purpose is to help us transcend dimensions to show us what we need to know about ourselves interdimensionally intergalactically to introduce you to your intergalactic self so that you understand your soul's history 
not your terrestrial history. He takes this huge leap as a guardian, as an escort, as a tour guide, and he shows you what you need to know about your history, your past lives, maybe something that needs to be healed or an understanding you need to make a connection with to understand why you're here on this planet. They're pretty massive, massive tools that we have to use. And these are the the tools that I use in my practice with my clients, because whether or not you have a dog, you have access to these canine spirit guides. So they don't only work through your dogs. You can use them and access them for your own healing, even if you don't like dogs. Wow. That's pretty big. It's pretty big. Yeah. And I think, again, I'm going to go with it's timely because we're looking to elevate the consciousness of the planet. And it's interesting when you talk about the different frequencies, because it's all about frequency. Mm -hmm. Energetically, people are uncomfortable with different frequencies. And I would say that that's on both sides of it. Yeah. Uh, When you're in a situation of frequency that's lower than where you're vibrating at at that particular time. Also, when you walk into a situation that's vibrating higher than you, I think we've all had that experience and we might describe it a little differently where we can walk into a room of energetic people who are doing energy work, right? And you're in there and even if you're just interacting versus doing some type of structured process, when you walk out, like you can feel yourself physically buzzing from the vibration and the energy that it's it's tangible and real. Uh, and that being said, I do want to say to people, if you're not feeling that, because I feel like I was that person historically, a lot of times, and I still am in different situations where people will report saying what they see or different feelings they have. And you think, gosh, what am I doing wrong here? Like, I didn't see any colors. I'm not feeling anything. To know that it's still real. So these are very powerful beings. And you are gifted to be the channel. And my guess is that you have prepared for this lifetime for many lifetimes. Yes, I did a hypnosis session. And during that session, I visited an experience. I won't say it's a lifetime. It's an experience I had where I was sitting on a star before I incarnated. And I remember feeling the hesitancy and the I was questioning, will I be able to succeed this time? So I knew what I was coming in for, and I knew how difficult it was going to be, because when you read my book, you realize my life was not a bed of roses, <laughs> and just how much I had to endure to get to this point. And I wondered if I was going to be successful. I share that story at the end of the book, and I ask my readers did I achieve my goal? (laughs) Because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it. But yes, I have been preparing for this my entire soul's history to help humanity understand and to help elevate the frequency on this planet, because that's why most of us are here. Those of us who are awake and who are awakening have a job to do here. And that's why we came is to assist the planet, to assist humanity in many, many different ways. There's so many modalities available to us. The canines are just yet another perspective to help capture those who may not do it for themselves, who may not awaken for themselves, but if they think their dog is on board with it, (laughs) they're a lot more open to it, you know? (laughs) 
I think that that's a very real statement when you say that. And again, it's a safe way. It's a safe way to do it, right? Yeah. So what would you say to people who are like they're out there and they're searching? They they know there's something like they know there's this awakening or this spiritual thing and they're they're not necessarily able to language it. I think a lot of us just in general aren't able to language a lot of things because there's so much shifting going on and but they're really finding it hard to grow spiritually. They they're just they're searching, they feel stunned, they're unsure of themselves. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I have two thoughts there, and that's an excellent question because That's what needs to be clarified for a lot of people who are still in the dark or still struggling, yet they know something's there. They can't figure out what, but they know there's something. And that's exactly where I was for 11 years before I finally got my marching orders. So this story is in my book. So my book is not just about the dogs. It's not just about the canine spirit guides. It's about my entire journey for 50 some years to get to this point. That's critical for people to understand. Not everybody is born clairvoyant. I mean, we have the ability, but we don't always understand it at birth or as a small child or in our 20s or in our 30s. So don't feel like you're like late to the party. It will happen in divine time when you're ready. Feeling that lost sense, that feeling like you're lost and there's something out there and you can't find it, that's the first step. So that's the first step to awakening. And don't panic because sometimes you need to be there for a while because you won't be able to access your gifts and your job until it's time. So I was stuck there for 11 years. And what they've shown me after the fact now is that I was in a cocoon. I was in a preparation, a holding phase, and there wasn't anything for me to do except to be with myself to spend that time nurturing me so that I was ready when they called me into a service. When they call you into service, things happen super, super fast. So you're like a bear in hibernation, storing up everything that you need to get you ready. So have faith in that, have trust in it, but still start building those bridges, start finding your mentors to help you through that process. Because when the door opens, You're going to need to hit the ground running and you're going to need the tools to help you do that. That's what I did. I found my mentors to help me through that that bridge process to help me understand my skills and my tools. Shoot, what was the other thing? I just flew out my head. There were two two comments I had about that, but maybe it was just the cocoon and also understanding that mentoring is so critical to help you bridge it. Yeah, no worries. I'm sure it'll pop back with you. And when it does, feel free to just put it out there. That really did resonate with me. I find a lot of the spiritual workers and the people who are really putting themselves out there publicly to get the message out, do the work. Life was not an easy life for them. And retrospectively, they put it together to find that it had purpose, although it was not an enjoyable experience. And I'm not sure you know, where people are all at individually, if they would do it over again or not do it over again. Mm -hmm. I would say for me, the bumps in my road or the things that were very uncool. At this point in life, I would absolutely do it all over again, because it's gotten me to where I'm at today, which is a really great space. What I do know is this great space is nothing compared to the great space that I may be in in a week, a month, two years, three years, because when you were talking about when that door opens or it cracks Mm -hmm. and you're getting that boot from behind, 
it's it's happening and I feel like you're not stopping it. And if you're going to try and stop it, it probably gets a little uncomfortable for you until you get on that, until you decide to step on that train because the work's ready there for you. The mentorship is huge, man. I have been so gifted to have a few people who have been on this path with me for a long Actually, the one fellow I, I has been decades. I think he saw things that I was like clueless about that all are making sense now. Right. If not, there's folks out there. You're out there. I'm out there. There's the resources that are available with the internet and the gift of YouTube and Google. It's a beautiful thing. I remember when I first got my message about... <laughs> to become a Reiki master. I was like, what? Never even heard this word. Like, how do you even spell it? And it was like, there was no Google. You couldn't just Google it and say, what's Reiki? I spent a year asking people, have you ever heard of this? Do you know what this is? (laughs) So the tools are much more available. And I think that they're growing a a lot more. You know, the the craziness that's going on now, and I recorded a, a couple of shows more recently. And I said, I have to laugh. I think my message of 2024 is going to be turn the TV off. There's a lot of chaos in the world. There's a lot of uncomfortableness and there's a lot of unknown. Yeah. And there is a faction in our world that is really embracing fear. Yeah, right. And putting the fear out there very intentionally because they don't want to let go. They don't want to move into this place of joy, bliss, and love, which for people like you and I are like, what? Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? But we have greed and powers, that ego thing. It's a whole different ballgame. I think there's some confusion about compassion, the role that compassion actually plays. Because what I've learned is that there is a role for compassion, but it's not as we understand it. As humanity understands compassion, it is to match the frequency of what you are being compassionate for. So if someone is having a hard time or they've got an illness, an accident, what I see people doing is lowering their frequency to match that frequency in order to show that they care. There's a problem there because what we need right now is elevated frequency on the planet. We help others by giving them a target, by showing them where they need to elevate to. Let's use the war in the Middle East as an example. That's always been a hotbed, always. And we see the media is always playing into this, making, shoving it in our face, making us see it, making us feel bad about it because they want us to lower our frequency to the, to the war frequency. But what happens as you spiritually, he, you have to heal first before you grow. As you dump the tanks and eliminate that lower frequency vibration of those emotions, the fear, the anger, the resentment, the insecurity, the separation. As you dump all of the lower frequency, you embody more of your higher frequency. When you sit in a higher frequency, you can't really palpate and you can't really feel the lower frequencies anymore. You see that they're there. You see that it's kind of like seeing ants moving around on the ground because you're at a completely different place my approach and what they've they've shown me to do is to hold frequency to send my frequency to that crisis without lowering my frequency to it cuz that's what humans understand as compassion is to go oh i feel your pain 
We don't want to do that. We need to elevate more of us into higher frequency so that there is no pain, right? Yeah. As you sit in higher frequency, you can't feel it and you won't be bothered by it and it won't, it won't infect you, right? As you sit in this higher perspective, you're less inclined to turn the TV on. You're less inclined to see what everyone else is doing because you're like, I feel so good right here. I don't want to interrupt what I'm doing. You go on with your life. I've always wondered what holding space was. What the heck do they mean by holding space, right? And this is exactly what they mean. I'm like, holy cow, this is it. Yeah, this is what. Absolutely. Yeah, this is what you want to do. So in the midst of crisis, don't jump on the bandwagon. Hold your divine elevated space and keep it there. That's going to be a great aha moment for a lot of people listening to this show. I think I heard you talk on one of your YouTubes, you talked about finding the calm in the chaos. It's that whole crisis and soul alignment. Yes, yes, it is. And that's a skill you have to practice. I work a lot with a a plant medicine called rape. And rape is, is a shamanic snuff that we use, and it's a cleaner medicine. It sends you into total chaos in order to eliminate everything in your energetic field, your your physical body, that's blocking your ability to connect, that's blocking your higher frequencies. It cleanses the body of those frequencies, and it allows you to come out on the other side as completely calm, grounded, centered, and focused It's the most pristine plant I've ever worked with. And this is what I practice when I'm working with Rape. I practice the ability to find the calm within the chaos. The more you master this plant, the more you don't ever experience the chaos anymore when you work with it. So that's how you know that you're progressing. So I can go through a chaotic moment in my life and it's like I'm sitting on a high chair like, oh, no big deal. I see I need to do X, Y, and Z, and my my energy never changes. And I just let the pieces come together. That's how we need to interact with the world. And that's how we'll raise the whole frequency of the planet is by interacting that way. I'm going to have to look into that one. I know that you do a lot of personal and you're, you're doing some group work. What would you say about the, the group work? Do you feel that, that the energy sometimes is stronger and that you can jump on that current? It develops a bigger current to help us in our elevation of humanity in the earth? The group work really surprised me. This is all new to me. I didn't do energetic medicine before any of this happens. Just doing individual work was a big leap. And all of a sudden, they pushed me into group work. And I'm like, What? I was really intimidated, but I did, I have learned to do what I'm told and to trust. So that's part of coming into your spiritual self is you, you have to put the ego aside. You have to have faith in yourself and faith in what you're being told to do and trust the process. So I just let it go. And I trusted. And with the group ceremonies, I was so surprised that the first group I did, everybody who came was a non-spiritual person, had never meditated, had never seen anything energetically or felt anything energetically. The canine guides came in as I channeled them and filled the space. It was virtual, completely filled the space. And everyone there was able to visualize a canine guide sitting in front of them. 
And they had never been able to do that before. They all felt the energy because each canine guide chose a person to work with through that workshop. The energy is incredibly powerful. These guys have so much energy that it's a lot to carry. (laughs) Trust me, when it comes through, it's a lot. So they have so much to share. It's even retained in the recording. So even when you go back and you watch an old podcast that I've done and you do the exercises, that energy is is carried through no matter when you watch it. I can attest to that. Yeah. Just be open to, all you have to do is want to receive it and they will gift it to you. If you don't want to receive it, you just want to watch it. You can do that too. You can just say, no, thanks. I just want to watch. And you can do that too. No one's going to force anything on you, but it is incredibly powerful because we have not just one guide that's working with us, but we have all four of them. Now, there are over 50 guides that I I haven't met more than the first four yet. They will be coming through. So by the time this entire system is brought through to humanity, it's going to be massive. They heal incredibly fast, especially in the one-to-one sessions. They're really intense 90-minute sessions. The group sessions are not specific to any one person, but the guides always know who's going to attend. And so they will manage that and they will adjust the schedule of the workshop. I don't know what's going to happen in the workshop until I tune in right before and get the download. And I go, oh, (laughs) now I understand. They're ahead of us in the timeline. Earth moves so slow. Everyone else is available or able to predict what's going to happen here because Earth just moves like a slug. It's so easy to predict time here and they will know who's going to be there and what needs to be shared and what's going to resonate with the people attending, not just right then and there, but also in the future. It's an incredibly powerful experience. That's quite a ripple effect. And it's exciting, like even more exciting to know that this is in its infancy, so to speak. Yeah. Talking with people, I think that pretty consistently what you hear is we're already feeling that shift of time and time is really ramping up and it's just, it's so much quicker than it used to be. What are your thoughts about, because you put it out there and I think that this is where a lot of the listeners are and, you know, it validates them, right? The whole meditation thing. You know, I would say even for myself a couple of years ago that I found meditation like painful. Like everyone talked about this meditation, this bliss, and, you know, it was sort of like the holding space thing. I was really trying hard to like get it and I wasn't. And then I stopped trying and yeah, me too. You know, it all happened. But what would you say to the folks out there? Cause I know that we're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. Right. I totally agree. You know, I, I had to learn to meditate in order to write the book. I went in kicking and screaming. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to do it. I'm an athlete. I don't like to sit still. You know, I have a lot to do on my plate. I just didn't want to spend an hour doing nothing. But what I learned is that what we understand as meditation isn't necessarily meditation. What most people do for meditation is they get to this quiet place. Well, I get to that quiet place in two seconds and then I move on from there. It's just the jumping off point. And when I move on from there, I'm traveling into other dimensions or I'm working on my body or I'm healing this or I'm understanding an ancestral pattern that needs to be cleared and healed. I'm working in my session. When you understand that what we think of as meditation is just the baby steps. Like if you can just get through the first step and find the the real joy, it's like climbing a mountain and getting to the top and finally seeing this 
beautiful oasis on the other side. And it's not as hard as you think. I do not sit still. I am very active in my meditations. I sit in a chair because I cannot sit cross-legged. It hurts my body. I mean, hello, I'm older. That's not going to happen. I don't do my fingers the way they do them in all the pictures. It doesn't have to look like that. It can be any way you want to do it. If you want to stand, you can do it. I don't recommend lying down because you would probably fall asleep. They did guide me in creating a meditation program that's on my website, and it's a channeled program so that it helps you energetically to connect with the the skills that you need to develop your meditation. My brain is very active. And one thing people do is they fight with their brain when they're trying to meditate and they judge it and they get mad. They get angry because they're not able to do what they think they need to do. And what I've learned to do is to use my mind during my meditation, because until you can see, hear, and feel those clairvoyant qualities, you have to use your imagination. That's the bridge. That's how you get from terrestrial to extraterrestrial. You have to use your imagination and be open. We've been so socialized out of that. I think a lot of people are going to hear your words and go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so good to know. Maybe let me revisit this. Yeah. So thank you with that one. You touched on ancestral patterning. Mm -hmm. Patterns. Yeah. Just real briefly, do you want to talk about that? Because it's really coming up a lot more with people who are understanding that there are a lot of a lot of layers to the onion. There are, and this is something I did not understand either when I first began my journey to my awakening. An ancestral pattern is an agreement that has passed along your your genetic line. So it could be your father's line, it could be your mother's line, and you have different lines on each grandparent side. And this is not something you're conscious of. It's something your soul agreed to as you incarnated into this DNA. Why it's significant is it affects your experience here. It affects your limitations here. It will possibly create roadblocks for you, uh, your ability to manifest the things that you want in your life. So people will practice law of attraction. They'll practice manifestation techniques and they'll be like, it doesn't work. <laughs> well, there's two reasons it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Number one, you haven't cleared your energetic field of lower vibrations. You haven't done the healing. And the second reason is because there's possibly an ancestral pattern, an ancestral connection or uh, agreement that you took that's blocking you there. An example of this is in my book, as I discovered my own ancestral pattern or commitment that I took to my father's line. My father was very abusive to me, not physically, emotionally, psychologically, he was very abusive to me. And I resented him for it, but I also knew I didn't deserve it. So instead of just staying in that environment, I walked away from it. And so the last 20 years my father was alive, we didn't speak. I didn't even know he had died. And I never understood why we couldn't get it together, why we never could, because I tried over and over and over to get a functional relationship with him, and he just could not do it. And what they showed me, ironically, you'll love this, this discovery came out of the fact that we have an RV that we travel in, and for a year... Every time we went out on the RV, it would break down. 
And I'm like, okay, enough is enough. Like we were spending days on the side of the road trying to get mechanics out. You know, it was just awful. And I said, why is this such a terrible experience? I went into meditation and I said, okay, show me what I need to know about this. Obviously there's something here. And what I was told in meditation was that it traced back to my grandparents. And I went, what? Okay. So then I needed to do further research on this. I'm like, okay, this is a little bit deeper. I need a little help here. So I went in in for a hypnosis session, a regressive hypnosis session. And what I discovered was that it was an ancestral pattern that involved me and my father, because ironically, my grandparents also were RV'd full-time in their retirement. They are the only other people in our family that RV'd uh, other than me. So I had this connection there. This ancestral pattern was on my father's side that followed all the males on my father's side. Well, I'm not a male, but I was first born and he didn't have any boys. So I took, I agreed to take this on because I was the only one who could hold it. I traced back, I don't know how many generations. And what I discovered in this hypnosis was that I originated this ancestral pattern by setting up a pattern of rage, a pattern of hurting other people. And I was shown three different lifetimes where I, the first one I experienced personal rage, where I just was killing people, robbing people way back when in the, in the olden days. (laughs) And then the next uh, incarnation I visited was a little bit later than that. And I incited group rage where I were families and uh, were, were battling each other and thousands of people died. And then the third incarnation I experienced, I was a girl and I was violated by a family member. And then that I, in that life, I experienced unexpressed, deep, personal rage because I couldn't speak my truth. I was violated and I couldn't express that. So I experienced three different types of rage. And so this rage followed the entire family line all the way down. And what I also learned was that because I'm the one who started the ancestral pattern, my father was a victim of my rage. And so then it traveled down the pattern. And most recently, his father in this lifetime was incredibly physically abusive to him and emotionally abusive to him, which set up the pattern for him to be abusive to me. And I always felt like he didn't trust me. I always felt like he didn't want to love me. And that's what I was picking up on was his resentment of me starting the pattern. So when I became aware of this pattern, it was a huge aha moment. And I realized I was not a victim. (laughs) This was all my idea, right? When that aha moment came in, I could see my father appear before me and this huge smile was on his face. And for the first time, that I'm ever conscious of, we exchanged divine love, even though he'd already passed on. I had this whoosh of love just encase me from him. And I was like, and I just heard him say, you found it, you got it, you know? (laughs) But what I learned was that I was charged with the role or the job of dissolving this pattern because I was the only one who could hold the energy of it. And Now is the first time we've had access to the technology to dissolve it. Wow. I'm going to go with. (laughs) Yeah. Wow on that. And I'm 
wow. I'm just going to go with wow. And when you say that, because there is a lot out there right now, just the, the term and the work, there's a lot of people that are available to mentor people through and to do the work to fix that. And, yes. and there's been a number of people who have said, I'm here to stop this pattern. And even I've had some conversations with my daughter who said, it's time for us, we have to do something to work and fix this ancestral pattern that we have. Yeah. And as I'm listening to you speak, I'm like, perhaps we need to do a little more investigation into this pattern so that we truly can fix it because I don't know that we truly understand it as I was listening to you speak. So there's an awareness that it's out there. It's something that energetically, yeah, the two of us have the ability to change forever. Perhaps we don't understand the whole thing. So thank you for that. I'm going to say thank you very much for that. Mm -hmm. I'll, uh, I'll be looking in bed. And that's, that story is in the book too. So you can read all about it. Talk a little bit about the book because the book, it, it covers a lot. It's very powerful. There's a lot of different layers to it. Yes. Yes. It's, it's much bigger than I ever thought it was ever going to be. Um, it covers my entire lifespan from four years old until now I'm in my fifties. The guides dictated how it was laid out. So it doesn't go in chronological order. It kind of bounces back and forth because it's organized in according to each canine spirit guide. So the first canine spirit guide, Anthea, appeared to me in three different dogs. So you'll see the stories of the three different dogs that Anthea was, was trying to connect with me through and demonstrating her message and the healing that she had to offer and, and how she was attempting to connect with me because that's how your canine spirit guides will be trying to connect with you. So it gives you really concrete examples of how insidious it is. I mean, you, you, unless you actively look for it, you won't see it or notice it. So because I'm bringing this uh, awareness to it, you'll be able to more easily pick up on it. Unlike I was at the time. So the book covers all of that, but it also covers my my transition from, you know, birth and, and until now being a fully enlightened being and, and how that process worked and what it looked like. Those of you who are trying to get to that part, whether you like dogs or not, it's going to be a great read because you're going to see the path I took and you're going to see possibilities for your own path and while you read it. Plus the energy of the canine spirit guides is going to be working with you as you read this book. So you're going to experience churnings. There's going to be energy that's moved through you. And some of it's going to come up as anger. Like you might be angry about what you read in the book. And that's something that needs to be investigated. There's something there that needs to be cleared for you because the book is designed to trigger you. So don't get mad at me. <laughs> it's my story, but it's there for you. So whatever emotions coming up for you when you're reading the book, that's your gift. That's what you need to explore. You might feel violated. You might feel sad. Of course, all those stories are about dogs who've passed on. So there are some stories of dogs' death in the book, but embrace that sadness and see if there's anything in that, that sadness that you need to explore further. If you're still carrying around grief of a, another, a dog that passed 20 years ago, there's some healing that needs to be done there. Because as you elevate your frequency, that kind of stuff doesn't upset you anymore because you fully understand it. Any reaction you have to the book is a, is a message for you. And how can people get a hold of the book? 
Yeah, it's available everywhere. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Audible. I ordered it myself. If you go to my website, it'll connect you to Amazon to order it there. And you can also get it on ebook if you prefer that. Yeah, you can get it anywhere. What I have found historically is there are times that I have been pulled to books and I have purchased the book and the book has sat out on a table or I've carried it with me. It's followed me places. When I was in the Middle East, there was a book that I had purchased that I had picked up and started to read easily 10 times and would put it down within five minutes. When I moved there, I moved there with literally two suitcases, which would have to contain everything that I needed to live for a couple of years. And it was interesting. There were two books that made their way into that bag and ended up on the table where I was staying there. At one point, I did pick up the book and read it. And it was like a huge epiphany and aha moments. So I would just put that out there to the listeners. Sometimes you and that book energetically connect and you get it. When you're meant to read it, you'll read it and you'll have it when you're meant to read it, right? So it's it's interesting, those journeys with the books. Well, and books that are divinely written have energy to them. So the energy is calling to you if you're if you're inclined to buy it, but you might not be ready for that energy yet. By having that book sitting on your shelf or in your suitcase, mm-hmm. you're still receiving the energy of the book and it's just waiting for you to be ready. So that's a great example. Yep. That, very true stories. If someone wanted to reach out with you, work with you, what would that look like and how would they get a hold of you? If you go to my website, heatherleestrom.com, you'll find access to my private sessions, which are 90 minutes with a single canine spirit guide. And when I do that work, I connect with my clients first before we meet face-to-face virtually. I connect with their energy and I consult with the canine spirit guides. They will share with me tidbits about that person, their history, their soul's history, not just their terrestrial history what they need to know at this moment, what needs to be overcome, what needs to be healed. And then when I go into session with that client virtually, I share what the canine guides have shared with me. And this is often an epiphany for people. It doesn't mean anything to me, but when I share it with them, their, their eyes light up. Oh, that's what that means. It's a lot of information. And then as soon as we're done sharing that portion, we go into a healing session with that canine spirit guide, it will address exactly what was shared during the reading. It's a very powerful session and most people are really tired afterwards. There's a lot of energy that moves. So you need to be, you need to be ready to nurture yourself afterwards and allow that energy to settle and find a new location. You can do the private sessions. I also have some group events coming up. I also have a podcast where you can sample the energy of the canine spirit guides, see how it works because we do energy healing during the podcast. And that's on my YouTube channel, which is linked on my webpage as well. And then on my webpage, there's a couple free resources for you. There's a, a manual, six signs that the canine spirit guides might be working with you through your dog is a, a download available to you. And then also you can download this beautiful meditation from Anthea, on my mini meditation page. It's a free download. Download it, work with it, see how it resonates with you. And even if you're not comfortable doing meditation or don't think you can do it, try this one and see how it might work with you. See what might be possible because it's a powerful meditation. 
Uh, unlimited possibilities for sure. I love the name of your podcast. I do have to say Howling at the Moon. Yeah, thank you. With the graphic that goes with it. I've always been attracted to the Southwestern and have actually your graphic. I, I've had wood cutouts of that as artwork on my wall. So when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm loving this Howling at the Moon. And I love this graphic. Like it, it really did speak to me. And for people listening to the audio version of the podcast, I do want to say Heather Lee is Lee, L-E-I-G-H. So if you're Googling it, make sure you get the spelling right in that. Uh, and I, I love that because a lot of times I'll get from listeners and a lot of people want to do the work and they do talk about the cost factor. You really do have a lot of very powerful, free tools available. I want to personally thank you for that. Any last thoughts that you have for folks out there that are listening? Yeah, the guides always want me to share and to stress that healing is not meant to be hard. It's meant to be instant. You don't need to understand it. You don't need to unpack what you're struggling with or what your trauma is. Just allow the healing. And that's how they work in these sessions. They offer instant healing. So not work, right? No. We always think of this all as work and it really isn't work. No. Heather Lee, I want to thank you. And I think it's really important. I want to thank all the guides out there, the intergalactic, the galactic guides that have been working, that have been very present during this podcast oh, yeah. and their energy. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. thank you for coming to uh, work with us humans here during this time of immense transformation and what I believe to be transmutation of all of us yes. and the, the planet. So I, I want to just put a big thank you out there to everyone. So I want to thank all the listeners. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to join both myself and Heather Lee. Remember, embrace that wild soul. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Wild Soul Gatherings Happy Hour for the Spiritually Curious. To learn more about our guests, please go to our website, wildsoulsgathering.com. We're very eager to hear from our listeners what you thought of the episode, topics you might like us to cover in the future, your thoughts on spirituality, questions you may have. Please feel free to send us an email at wildsoulsgathering at gmail.com. This is your host, Dr. Sandra Marie, sending each of you peace and love. Until we meet again, embrace your wild soul.